Welcome to Straight Up Utes. It was a bye week this week for Utah, and that's a great thing considering everything that's been happening for them. But even with it being a bye week for Utah, there was a lot that happened in the Pac-12 that should impact the Utes going forward, so we'll have a lot to talk about today. Before I get into that, I just really want to thank those that have tuned into this podcast and supported it. Uh, we've got some great listeners out there, and I really appreciate you jumping in uh, with me on this new podcast and and sharing the word and, and getting it out there and letting other people know about it. Uh, I'd love to see as many Ute fans on here as possible, and I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Patton underscore Matt, P-A-T-T-O-N underscore M-A-T-T. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts about any of these episodes, about something you'd love to hear, any questions you might have. I'd be happy to answer them in upcoming episodes. So thanks again so much for listening. It's great to have you here. It's great to talk Utah football. Um, so let's get into it. I think the big news in the Pac-12 is Stanford beating Oregon in overtime. They knocked off the number three Ducks. This is not good news for the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon was the lead contender to make it to the college football championship. And uh, their path now gets a little bit more difficult. I don't think it's impossible at this point. They're still number eight in the AP rankings with the one loss. But it certainly does become more of a challenge. One nice thing is... I don't think there's any elite nationally right now other than Alabama and Georgia. I think after that you see Iowa, Penn State, Cincinnati. You got Oklahoma there who, who's had a lot of close games. You got one loss, Ohio State, who interestingly lost to Oregon, who's ranked number eight. So I find that interesting why Oregon is not ranked ahead of Ohio State. I think that might be a little bit of that East Coast bias. But Regardless, Oregon number eight still, so still has a chance. And then they're ranked ahead of undefeated Michigan and BYU, cracking the top ten. So the team down south now in the top ten. What a change of events. Who would have thought uh, four games into the season, five games for some, that we'd see the team down south at number ten in the AP rankings. But congratulations to Kalani Sataki uh, and that team. They've they've done a great job. They've dealt with it, some adversity and they continue to win. So that's how things are looking nationally. Back to the Pac-12. Arizona State had the big road game against UCLA. UCLA finally ranked again at number 20, and they blew it. Uh, Arizona State took it to them, especially in the second half, really dominated the second half, came away with that big road win. Arizona State's looking pretty good. Right now only one loss to the team down south, and uh, it's going to be a challenge. And then, of course, Oregon State, they've now won four straight, making them 4-1 and one on the year. They're the only Pac-12 North team without a conference loss. They had a nice 27-24 win over Washington. So this is what the Utes have coming up. They've got USC this weekend at USC in the, at the Coliseum. Then, they, then they'll have Arizona State at home. Then they'll get Oregon State on the road. The tough thing about that, Oregon State's been playing well this year, and they'll have their bye week the week before they play Utah, so they get two weeks to prepare for the Utes while the Utes will come off that tough game against Arizona State. Then after Oregon State, the Utes will welcome UCLA to Rice-Eccles Stadium, and then they'll travel on the road to Stanford, which 
Look, Stanford's already beaten Oregon and USC now, so the next five games for the Utes are tough. These are all dangerous teams. They're all right there, kind of in that number 20 to number 35 range, ranking-wise. So none of them are elite teams. They're all winnable games, but they're all very difficult games. And this coming off of the Utes bye week, where the team has had to deal with such adversity, losing Aaron Lowe to a senseless act of violence, it's going to be really interesting to see how the team bounces back and moves forward and if their minds can be on the game. I have no doubt at all that they'll come out with tenacity, that they'll come out motivated, but whether or not they can deal with the mental aspect of the game right now is another thing to see. So more than anything, just really excited to get to this game this weekend. It's going to be a great game at the Coliseum. It's going to be Saturday at 6 p.m. on Fox, so it's a very it's a national game. The spread right now on this game is just three in favor of USC, which is basically just the home field advantage. So it's really an even line in Las Vegas, giving the Utes a great shot to win. This is one of the best shots they've had in a long time to win in Los Angeles. So usually that seems like a difficult task, but USC has actually lost their last two straight home games. And they gave up a lot of points. They gave up 45 points to Oregon State. And then they gave up 42 points to Stanford at home. So home has not been the best place right now for USC. So I think this is a great opportunity for the Utes. So I was looking at what stands out for the Utes in the games that they've won compared to the games that they've lost. And looking at the games they've won over Weber State and Washington State, for one thing, it's quality of opponent. But, but the other thing to look at is the rushing game, and then the pressure that they're putting on the quarterback. Against Weber State, Weber State had 30 carries for just 57 yards. And against Washington State, Washington State had 37 carries for 70 yards, both only averaging 1.9 yards per carry. And they kept the quarterbacks in check. For Weber State, they only allowed six yards rushing to their quarterback. And with Washington State, they had negative yardage because they were sacked eight times total. So... That was the big thing. They didn't win the turnover battle. Against Weber State, it was a zero difference. Weber State had two turnovers. The Utes had two turnovers. With Washington State, as we know, the Utes put the ball on the ground seven times, turned it over three times. But Washington State also threw three interceptions, so it was zero there as well. They need to win that turnover margin. That, would, that definitely helps, and they're going to need that against USC. It won't be enough if, they, if they're not able to create that. So... That's a big part of what brings the Utes success. It's stopping the run game. It's running the ball well for the Utes. And then it's putting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. Loved, loved seeing Sack Lake City come back last week, getting eight sacks against the Cougars. Tons of pressure on the quarterback. It was perfect. The defense looked fantastic. It was a similar situation with Weber State, but you would expect that with an FCS team. Now looking at their losses against BYU and San Diego State, Totally different story. With BYU, they had 46 carries for 231 yards, averaging five yards a carry. They let Hall, the quarterback, run for 92 yards, and they were minus two in turnover margin. They didn't, they didn't force any turnovers against the Cougars. They didn't get any sacks, and they gave up two sacks. So completely different story from 
the from the the wins with San Diego State almost identical 45 carries for 204 yards and they allowed their quarterback Lucas Johnson to go for 87 yards rushing and only had one sack against San Diego State while we gave up three sacks so it's a pretty simple story if you allow the other team to run the ball really well especially for over 200 yards like they did in the two losses if you can't contain the quarterback and you let the quarterback go for nearly 100 yards rushing, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And if you're allowing sacks and you're not getting pressure yourself, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So for the Utes to win against USC, they've got to slow down the run game. They've got to put pressure on the quarterback. That's one thing that could be good for them because Keaton Slovis does not do well against pressure. We've seen that time and time again. That's a big reason why USC moved on from Slovis and went with Jackson Dart. But then Jackson Dart injured his meniscus and won't be playing for a while. So the Utes will get Keaton Slovis. If they can get pressure on him, they should be able to create some turnovers. They're going to have a really tough time with Drake London. He's the Trojan six foot five receiver that already has 48 catches on the year for 670 yards and four touchdowns. So London has been a huge weapon for the Trojans. And when the Utes' top two corners right now, and Clark Phillips and Fabian Marks, they're both 5'10". So Drake London has a 7-inch advantage on them with his size. He's been a problem for a lot of teams so far. Even in the loss to Oregon State, London had 165 yards of receiving. But in that game, Oregon State ran for 322 yards and held USC to 76 yards. And I'll get a little bit more into Oregon State. I want to talk about them even though they're a few games down the road for the Utes. But... It's been really interesting to see what they're doing to get wins in the Pac-12. Some other things the Utes are going to have to watch out for with USC is Keontae Ingram. He's a transfer from Texas that's been getting a lot more carries lately, and he is a lot more efficient in the run game than what they've seen from Vave Molipai. To talk a little bit more about Drake London, give a little bit of perspective on his 48 catches for 670 yards and four touchdowns, the Utes right now only have 803 yards receiving over the four games. So London has nearly exceeded what the Utes have done on the entire season as the entire receiving staff. And he has more yards receiving than Colorado's receivers at just 502 total yards uh, receiving for Colorado. So Drake London is going to be tough to stop. You don't necessarily have to stop him, but that's going to be a challenge. The other part is that run game. The Utes need to be able to establish the run they need to have a successful running game, and they need to stop USC from being able to run the ball. The Utes' Week 5 depth chart came out, and it still has Makai Bernard as the number one running back, and then TJ Pledger as his backup. So I'm a little bit surprised to see that, considering how well Pledger did in the last game. Bernard has shown that he can do well, but he didn't do very well against Washington State, so... I'm hoping that if Bernard struggles in the beginning that they quickly get Pledger back in the game. I love his big playability and hope that he can get out there and give the Utes an advantage in the run game. So that's that's really the key to this game though coming up that I can see is the Utes need to be careful with the ball. They need to win the turnover margin. They need to put pressure on Keaton Slovis and then they need to slow down the run game and then offensively they've got to get things going they've got to get things going in the pass game right now the Utes are second worst in the entire conference in the passing game only averaging 200 yards a game passing only Colorado is worse 
and they've got to get the rushing game going. They've got to find some consistency with the rushing game. TJ Pleasure has the ability to break off for big runs. I hope to see him quite a bit in this game. I hope to see Jaquindon Jackson again coming out and bringing in a new element to the game. Cam Rising, though, I was looking at this. He's almost the same size as Jaquindon Jackson. So Cam Rising should be able to get out there, get some runs in, keep the USC defense off balance. The, for the Utes to win this game, they're going to have to put up more than 30 points. And that's not a given with this team, the way that the offense has been going. The least that USC has scored so far this year is 27 points. So that was in their loss to Oregon State. This USC team is number two in yards per game in the Pac-12 with 439. But like I said before, their defense is giving up quite a bit. The defense is giving up 361 yards per game. And they've struggled at home to stop other teams letting two teams score in the 40s. So the Utes have got to put up points. They've got to outscore USC. Um, I think 30 is that magic number. If the Utes can get, let's say, 34 points, which is what I'm projecting for this game, and then they've got to be able to hold USC back, I think it's going to be a really close game. For the straight-up Utes prediction of this game, I see a final score of the Utes 34, USC 30. And it's going to be because the Utes come out motivated and they're going to win the run game and they're going to slow down the passing game enough. I, I think that you're still going to see Drake London go for 100 yards plus receiving in this game. But if the Utes can slow down the rushing game and do well on their own rushing game and win the line of scrimmage, they should be able to put up more points than what USC is able to keep up with, especially if they put pressure on Slovis. I think the Utes having the number two defense right now in yards per game in all of the Pac-12, they should be able to slow down this offense enough that they can still win this game. So I wanted to talk about two more things. Oregon State, the interesting thing is you saw this coming with Oregon State last year. They started out the year with a 10-point loss to Washington State, but then lost to a good Washington team by just six points on the road. Then they beat Cal, they beat 15th-ranked Oregon, and then they lost to the Utes by just six points after losing their quarterback and, and not having their top rusher. Then they lost to Stanford by just three points, and then it was another tough loss at the end of Arizona State by 13. So things were starting to change for Oregon State, and now they're starting to see the benefit of it this year. This year they've, they've like I said, won four straight games. And how are they doing this? Well, it's really interesting. They are going extremely run-heavy against Pac-12 teams. In their win over USC, they ran the ball 51 times for 322 yards, averaging 6.3 yards per carry. They only threw it 19 times. And when they did throw it, they were efficient. Ch Chance Nolan was 15 for 19 for 213 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. So they're running the ball twice as much as they're passing it. And that's exactly what they did in their win over Washington. In fact, Chance Nolan only threw the ball 15 times for just 48 yards. He was 7 of 15 for 48 yards, averaging only 3.2 yards per pass with an interception. But they ran the ball 50 times for 242 yards, averaging 4.8 yards per carry. So they were able to win that game while only throwing for 48 yards. So they're going to be a really interesting team to beat for the Utes, especially when traditionally the Utes are so good at stopping the run game. But in their losses, they've given up over 200 yards. In fact, 
the the line that Oregon State had against Washington was nearly identical to what we saw in the San Diego State game for the Utes, uh, where where they really limited the passing game, but they allowed a lot of yards rushing to San Diego State. So it's gonna be really interesting when that Oregon State game comes. I'm a little nervous of that one due to the fact that they've had that bye week, and uh, they're gonna be a challenge now. So and then of course Arizona State next week. Arizona State's looking great. They've got the best shot to win the Pac-12 South. Of course, Utah could change that narrative really quick, but we'll see what happens with Arizona State. So tough stretch coming, but a great game coming up against USC. A lot to look forward to. It'll be great to get back on the field. I'm sure that this team is ready to get out and play football again and get their minds off of the terrible, tragic events that have happened in the last week and be able to move forward. That's it for this episode. Thanks again so much for listening. Again, tell your friends. Let them know about the Straight Up Utes podcast. And hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear any questions that you have or any comments. Let's uh, keep making this podcast better every week. Thanks so much. And go Utes!